0: I'm dating with a purpose. I'm Mm, going to date because I just want to have a partner, you know, and meet that special person. And I'm getting to know you to see like if we are compatible in order to have a life together. But there is a lot of men that I feel they don't do that. Yeah. And I think There is a big disparity between how women we are dating and how men are dating. Yes, date with a purpose. We try to get to
1: You are listening to Color Out The Box. Hello, and welcome to Colour Out the Box podcast. And as always, this is Mo, and I'm back again with actually a proper episode, but we'll get into that in a bit. So as always, you can join the conversation, hashtag Colour Out the Box on all socials, and at Colour Out the Box, if you're listening and have something to add. So this week, I have a guest, and I'm joined by Lara Lalegros, I know I said that wrong. <laughs> Please correct me. Legros. Okay. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Your first time on the podcast. And we're going to get into that. And um, Laura, you work in the fintech um, industry.
0: Yes, I do. Thank you for the invite, Mo. Very excited no, to be here. welcome. Yeah.
1: Thank you. You're doing me a favor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so um
1: lara one of the things that i always do for guests is that i ask them an icebreaker question so um this week's icebreaker is um what song no matter where you are you have to sing out loud
0: what a question
1: yeah um when it comes on just
0: you just the beat
1: takes you and you just have to sing it
0: there is a singer who has a great album. Okay. And his name, he's from Chile. His name is Jorge Drexler. Oh. And <laughs> 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 sounds, <laughs> um, sounds exciting. <laughs> I probably know most of the lyrics of that album, but I'm very bad with lyrics. So Okay. I uh, yeah. That's my Me apartment. too.
1: I just I just ad lib and just put my <laughs> interpretation. <laughs> There's so many songs, it's only when I've actually seen the lyrics written down I'm like, oh, that's what they're saying.
0: Okay, well, that makes more sense. In my my surprise when I was like listening to me when I was younger and English is not my first language. And then I found out what he was talking about. I was literally shocked. I yeah. think he was talking about love, but most of the time he was talking about sex. Yes. Well, it was
1: choking. he. He that shall not be named.
0: Sorry
1: about <laughs> But yeah, no, I get what you mean because there's a lot of songs that I think when we were younger you'd sing along, and maybe because your parents weren't really listening. As an adult, I'm thinking this wasn't music for children. Yeah, <laughs> some yeah. of those R and B and hip hop songs definitely were not for children consumption.
0: Uh, absolutely, and then um, growing up in Spain, we start we started getting reggaeton. Oh and- yes, <laughs> 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 and dame más gasolina. <laughs> it's <not> about love. <laughs> to
1: be fair, I think that's one of the few reggaeton songs I actually know. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's actually start the podcast. okay so Lara one of the things that I wanted to talk about this week is um we both we're both Londoners like yeah let's we're both Londoners and living in the UK and the lockdown restrictions are easing so as of the 12th of April you can do non-essential shopping you can eat outside And one of the things that's been quite a topic of discussion is you can start dating technically again. If you meet the person outside.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. if you meet the person outside.
1: Yes. So one of the things that you raised to me was talking about, okay, getting back on the probable, I can't even say the word, getting back on the horse. And dating again, so like what what did you want to talk
0: about like let let's get into it. um, I just wanted to say that, <laughs> uh, it seems so hard, yeah, it seems so hard, like I'm not really ready to start talking to strangers on the street. yeah, I'm not ready. Uh, I feel- was
1: you doing the whole like online thing during like, you know, lockdown or was were you, you know, trying to like get to know people that way? Were you one of those people that were meeting up regardless of the restrictions? Like what were you up to? I
0: wasn't one of them. I'm okay. up <laughs> with the rules, although I did browse on okay. my dating app, you know, changing location to see You know, what is the menu in different parts of the world, just in case I see something on someone very interesting. Um, But I have been, it has been, I have been tempted to initiate conversation or like follow up into conversation, but I am not ready mentally to be outside to meet a stranger and go for a walk. I oh, okay. That part has been missed for for me since the lockdown. I think I'm right. like, you know, more open to the idea to meet someone. Oh, let's go for a coffee. But I think isolation um for such a long time has taken a tool on on that, it has impacted me. So I just don't know. I I have I would like to go outside with friends and then we meet people and then one of the persons like, you know, find it more interesting than the other one. And you end up like exchanging phone numbers and then meeting up another time. I think that is way more organic. Um, But the other part of like dating online is a lot of premeditation. And Mm -hmm. I guess it gives me some, a little bit of anxiety. It's like, oh, this is so long. Yeah.
1: but do you feel because i because i think I, I i get what you're saying because I, I think i have that anxiety but my anxiety is more about meeting people organically again like interacting with people outside of like my um covid bubble like you know you, you know your um and your known circle of friends so just meeting Somebody, because we've gone through a whole almost a year of avoiding strangers, and you know, literally walking down the pavement and crossing over the road to avoid even walking near each other. To now, all sudden, like, okay, how can I meet people? (laughs) It feels like almost like I need to learn that social behavior again.
0: Yeah, no, same here. I remember one day I was like walking on the street in summer, but I think like I guess like when. We could do things in summer. We were still like, no, you know, we were still shocked, but we could adjust a little bit better. In summer, it was like, okay, we were on lockdown for a few months and then like kind of like going back to normality somehow, you know. And I met a guy. I was like going to a store and the guy was like, hey, are you... I don't know what he told me. And then we started talking and he said, like, oh, can I have your Instagram? No, your phone number, your Instagram. Oh, how do you see. Like, oh, okay. So <laughs> no, I said, like, wait, let me see your face. So I made him, like, take off his mask. Oh, he yes. You couldn't <laughs> see him. I was like, I need to make sure you have all your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so then we, we did exchange, like, Instagram, which... I'd rather speak to someone, like, you know, exchange phone number first and then social media if necessary. But yeah, it wasn't nothing serious, but it was my only interaction that I had like organically that happened on the street. Um, in that sense. It was that's, yeah.
1: that's so it you know what, you forget about like the mask thing because I noticed that sometimes when I'm in the supermarket and, you know, if you give way for someone to pass you and you kind of like smile at them, it's like they can't really see you smiling because obviously you, half your face is covered. So, even, so it's amazing how much like social interaction that gets missed maybe because you have a mask on as well. Cause maybe someone might've been giving me the eye while I'm, you know, in the salad aisle and I didn't notice cause they had their mask on.
0: I had been trying to smile with my eyes, like yeah, you know, like like Tyra you know, Banks like, style, very small, like yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they call it was it smising
0: like smiling with your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Myself, <laughs> and the other thing, like absolutely, when I go to the supermarket, usually I'm wearing my headphones, my mask, uh-huh. and I notice when I have my headphones, it, I really feel isolated. Like, I go to the supermarket and I'm, mm. like, on a mission. I don't... If someone tries to talk to me, it would be very difficult for me yeah. to acknowledge. So I would have to, like, start lowering my headphones and be more aware of my surroundings. Let me see. But yeah.
1: But, okay, so you're you're ready to get back out there into the... I
0: wish I could put, like, I could go around with a list saying, like, are yeah. you this person? Are you, person? <laughs> Let, let's get married. Like, that's it. <laughs> you know, because it's it's hard. It's just so, it is hard. And I think because I'm not in a very energetic place right, right now. You know, the weather is still a little bit bad. It's not hot. Um, we don't see like things are really improving. We only can go outdoors to eat, you know? So it's like, I need, I don't have the energy either right now. Yeah. I have the willing, but the energy is not not meeting the willing. So let's see what happens. But I think a lot of of us, uh, we're in the same situation of like, yeah, I would love to have a partner, but things are not easy at this point
1: it's funny because I've been talking to some people and some people because they've we've had almost 12 months of if you didn't have a partner or you lived alone of being by yourself so some people are like right I'm gonna find somebody to you know to be with like I've had you know this whole isolation time whereas other people of like well I've actually gotten very used to my own company so I'm kind of quite happy and I'm, you know, I found that rhythm. So they're actually quite um, anxious to start now incorporating other people into this little world that they've created for themselves as well. Because one of the things, yeah, because one of the things when the shops open and it really, for me personally, it put me off wanting to go because there was just that anxious feeling of like oh it's just too many people and then i've seen an on, on, online advertising all the summer festivals like yam festival and wireless and for me i'm just like oh god no too many people yeah but i miss
0: socializing with people if that makes sense yeah same here i i don't miss crowd at this mm. point right now i don't i wouldn't like to have a lot of people around a lot of noise, a lot of strangers. I'm not ready for that, but i do I do miss like quality amount of people, like people more alike, you know these type of events that maybe they were running. um I remember last year was last year um no, twenty nineteen Black History Month, we had like a lot of events running mm-hmm. everywhere in London, and people alike were coming together. I really miss those moments, you know, when it was easier to find people with the same interest. But I think when you go to a bar or like a restaurant, it, you're still in your bubble, isolated, and then, you know, like big events like uh, festivals, I'm I'm not ready. No, I wish I was, but not mm. yet
1: so let's get back to the dating if you know someone was you know spotting you like outside and just was like hey you know I like you know I like her style I like the look what what would be like a a suitable way to like approach you to take it to like you know potential date situation
0: I think I'm very easy to talk to um Maybe some people, if they are listening to this, they will be like, "You are lying." <laughs> 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 um No, I think I like to talk to everybody. I think it really it depends. I think like sometimes you find someone that you have an instant chemistry of like, yes, I like mm. the energy. Sometimes you know you get the energy of like, oh, these guys are just looking for sex which that is the type of energy that happens a lot of times or maybe it's the energy i'm not interested but it really depends on like what happened in that moment who is that person do we Mm -hmm. have like mutual interest someone who is mature you know um we can talk about like because right now i don't know if you have been looped on instagram of like everything that has been happening regarding like dating uh like a couple of gurus like kevin samuels have you heard of him i i don't i don't know if i would call him a guru self-called,
1: <laughs> self-called kevin, guru there's, there's a lot of people giving out dating advice that yeah. at best is questionable at worst is dangerous <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and it's like it's like wait what you really believe yeah. what you are saying and i have been talking to male friends a lot of them they are like no but a lot of them, they are like, yeah, he's quite right. Also, yeah, saying like, well, you shouldn't be focused that much in your career because it's going to be more difficult to find a high value man. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. So- you know what?
1: The term "high value man" yeah. could literally go in the bin. I'm just
0: so yeah, overhearing it. <laughs> a high value man. Um, yeah, but so there is a lot of conversations happening regarding dating. Um. I particularly find it very difficult here in in England. Right. Um, dating because I don't belong in any community. So I'm not going to be the typical um, traditional African wife that a lot of men they are looking for. So how do you mean like,
1: so when you say you don't belong to a community?
0: um. So I think like when I go to the states um you are black regardless, mm-hmm. right? But when you are here you are like or you are African, but no African, you are Nigerian, you are from Ghana, you are from Zimbabwe mm. and everybody has their communities, a lot of people have family here. So it's not, you know, it's like most of the times I have I have a lot of friends from like different backgrounds, but Caribbeans, Mm. they tend to be within their community. Africans, they tend to be within their community. I am Haitian Spanish. So I Mm. don't have, well, my community and I, well, how I see and my identity doesn't match with the belief in the UK. Here, they would call me mixed race, which I'm not comfortable with the the term. Oh, really? I don't believe it belongs anywhere. However, yeah. in the states, if you are from mixed round, mi- mixed background, and you call them se- yourself black, there is no discussion because black can mean a lot of things, not only mm. African. Both parents African and Caribbean is a melting pot. So it is different, the labels that they use. And I feel more comfortable there than I do feel here because here I'm more challenged regarding, regarding my identity most of the time. So here, a lot of times I have dated like Nigerian men and they will feel, oh, you are... They see me more like as... I don't know, like a fetish more than someone that they will like to know or get to marry. Uh, which is funny because a large number of African guys that I see, they, or they go for an African uh, wife or like a black wife from usually African te- the tendency is mm. in the community or they go to a white girl. But I don't, you know, and I don't feel like I fit in those, in those categories. So for me, dating has been, has been challenging. Um,
1: It's it's really interesting. And it just shows that nobody, you know, black people, we're not a monolith. We all have our individual um, experiences. Um, But yeah, I get what you're saying about racial identity. It does differ depending on where you are in the in the world in terms of like how people identify you and then also i think sometimes how people identify themselves it's um it does differ um and it but i sorry you go ahead
0: sorry um it played uh a part in the dating you know scenario so yeah i
1: don't know it's it's I think the dating game is so hard because all you just want to do is just meet your special person and have them appreciate you for you.
0: That's, that's it. It. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be that difficult. It yeah. Be and it is not like, like just to clarify, I'm not saying like, I find it difficult to meet people. Mm. It's easy for me. It's very easy to meet people. I'm kind of like, you know, a social person. However, Uh, that gap between meeting and like get to know someone. And right now I'm 34, so I'm dating with a purpose. I'm Mm, going to date because I just want to have a partner, you know, and meet that special person. And I'm getting to know you to see like, if we are compatible in order to have a life together but there is a lot of men that I feel they don't do that. Yeah. And I think there is a big disparity between how women we are dating and how men are dating. We yes. Date with a purpose, we try to get to know. Well, no not everybody does the same. I don't want to generalize like Kevin Samuels. Or Derek Jackson. <laughs> or <Yep>. Derek Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but we definitely like, a lot of us, we have, we date with a purpose. I just want to know, like, you know, it it sounds stupid, but how our brain is wired for a lot of us is, like, we meet someone and we are, like, checking. It's like, do I like you? Do you have a job? Like, do you have kids? It's, like, a lot of, like, checks that mm-hmm. um, you do without, you know, in your subconscious. Uh, first of all because I don't want to waste your time or my time if there are like some checklists that it doesn't meet I'm going to be like no you are not for me I think it's you know what I think it is I don't even
1: think it's a gendered thing like um, men and women I think just sometimes it's just like where you are in your life um, cycle where you are um, so I think when I definitely think that there you just have to try and connect with those people that also are dating with purpose and um, versus those people that are just just dating for fun, which is normally when you're younger. Yeah. But as you get older, you're looking maybe for more like a life partner. But I think it's just trying to connect with those people and it's hard to find them through the sea of, uh, I don't know, for people that are just out here wasting people's yeah. time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> time. Uh, I'm quite convinced that when you are like because I have dated people that they were not ready to date yeah emotionally they were unavailable and now I feel like okay I just want to meet people that they are in the same wave like they are Mm -hmm. open to meet the right person Um, maybe we can we can create an app saying like dating with a purpose
1: (laughs) 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 I, I I feel like it already exists, but again, I mean, you can't even keep married people off the dating app. So, you know, wow. so I don't know how we we would filter out, you know, the non-serious people. It's um, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. But Did hate- you watch that Netflix show, um, the one?
0: No. How is it? Have you heard about it? I saw it trending on Netflix but I have okay so basically the premise
1: of it is that you submit your DNA to a database and it just matches you with your perfect match the person that you're guaranteed to fall in love with and it sounds great but if you think about it you turn 18, you submit your DNA and you get matched with your person. Where's where's all the life experience of getting to know people, dating, having your heart broken, all of that. It happens and it, you know, helps build you as a person. Um, Also, your person that you could be matched with may already be married to somebody else, maybe in prison, you know may <laughs> have died so it's like it's well, not... that means that you will never have one person for you well it just it just means that you know there's a perfect match for you but maybe they're not available to no. you so it's, it's it's a tough one in on paper it sounds amazing but as much as the dating game is absolutely horrible it's you know what do they say character building yeah yeah definitely no I wouldn't do it I wouldn't do that. No. It. no. <laughs> well or if you was I- married, would you submit your partner's DNA to check if you guys were the perfect match together?
0: No, because <laughs> maybe we're imperfect together. Yes, that is true. So I don't think and when I'm saying like about the checklist of like the the ideal mm. person, it doesn't have to be like You know 10 10 10 10 10 10 10. okay but it's a balance of like what you want or something like you are curious to get to know you don't know right but it is a mix and match of like the characters that you are looking because you you like and you know yourself you know like what you cannot do and you cannot do in life um and that is like when you have been dating for a while that is what you understand. You understand like, okay, I cannot, I cannot deal with this in my life. I mm. can deal with someone who is not clean or like... I mean, I'm with you.
1: <laughs> Personal <laughs> hygiene is a... I don't even think you need to put that on the list. I feel like, you know, like there's prerequisite questions of like, don't, you can't even apply for the job <laughs> if you,
0: if you don't that these... No, you are lovely, but no, no. <laughs> No, it's, it's a no. You know, what else is on your checklist? Like what kind of things? No. So now I'm learning that I need to. I have been like reading a lot and doing my yeah, own research. Me too. And everything. Yeah. Self development so, and all of that stuff. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's what we do in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things is like you need to think, no about what you want, but about how you want to feel. Right, okay. You want to feel loved, you want to feel like cared of, that you want to feel protected, you want to feel desired. Uh, you know, those are the things that you should be thinking about. So when you meet someone, you don't really start thinking about like your checklist, but you say, oh, you make me feel special. Oh, this okay. is to me. Oh, he's, you know, th- those are the things that I am um, training myself, so when I meet anyone who anyone new, I'm like, oh, he didn't listen to me now.
1: <laughs> so it's it's almost like the love languages kind of approach in terms of like what do you need versus what does the person naturally give, yeah. kind of thing. Because are you a, are you a, a eldest child? Yeah, I am. Okay, so you're the same as me. So a lot. Apparently, this is the theory that as eldest child, because we're used to looking after people and doing things for people, i.e., being treated like you know house help, um, <laughs> we <laughs> we look for in a partner somebody who um, likes to do acts of service, so things to make our life easier. Right. That's interesting. That's that's a theory that's out there, you know. Mm. I kind of co-sign that. Because I do, I I don't even need someone to buy me gifts. But if you are willing to do things to make my life easier, I'll fall in love with you. It's fine. Yeah. Let's get married.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's so interesting. Because I think um, another revelation that I had during lockdown is that I learned what I wanted on my twenties wouldn't make me happy on my thirties. And now that I am on my thirties, I'm very conscious and aware of like what I am asking to the universe in terms of like that future partner. Like I don't have that many experiences during my dating time, like in relationships and all that. Where a man has been caring and like giving me, I don't know, like being like, oh, let me get you a glass of water. Let me get you mm. a blanket. Are you okay? You know, like often. Like I don't have that in my memories, and it's very sad. <laughs> <laughs> that that- like just being cared
1: for, just gen- someone yeah, just like- you know just concerned for your well-being. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like okay, you know, and also words of appreciation, like not only saying thank you, but saying like, baby, you look so nice today. I really like that. (laughs) like, oh, (laughs) yes. You know? So, yeah, those are, is the new experience that I want to, I want to live Mm. Uh, through all the heartbreaks that I had and all the pain. I feel like at this time, I'm equipped to to date the right person. I think before I dated a lot of lessons, but not the right person.
1: You know what? I feel like we need to revisit this conversation (laughs) after June 21st when Ooh. Boris opens the outside <laughs> and we're all let loose in the world cuz i do i do think i i honestly think that because we've had a year of like isolation being cooped up at home um i think it's given everyone the opportunity to think about like you said what they're looking for mm-hmm. priority you know what are the priorities and I just, I just feel like it's going to be a summer of love. I also think there's going to be a baby boom as well. But yeah, you know, that's another conversation. We can
0: skip kind of that
1: one for now. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I, mean, I think there's going to be a lot of babies born in 2022. So, um, but yeah, let's definitely come back to this conversation because it's true. It's like, you know, how can we. I think it's it's been, it's given everyone opportunity to really think about what they're looking for. Yeah. You know, but as I said, I think if you are dating anyone that's the eldest child, just do nice things for them. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of her. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of them, offer them a blanket, offer them a pillow, you know, something. A cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, you know, a biscuit, Um, <laughs> something. <laughs> They will fall in love with you and they will marry you. So that's my <laughs> advice to everybody.
0: <laughs> that's great.
1: <laughs> okay, so Lara, one thing that I wanted to talk about is you You mentioned before we started recording that you've lived in London for the past 10 years. You know, Hmm. Let's have a brief conversation about that. Like, what is it like compared to where did you, where was you living before? And, um, you know, do you see, what, or how, how do you see like London changing? Or is it somewhere that you would want to permanently live? I've said a lot, you go for it.
0: Uh, good question. So I feel like I am a Londoner, but I am still an immigrant. And so I have, And I'm proud of being an immigrant. I came here from Spain uh, after the economic crisis in 20... Well, I I arrived here in 2011, the summer of 2011, that it was uh, exactly a week after the riots, and I had no idea, so I came here to London. And so it, you was referring to the? Is it the London riots? The London riots. Yeah, yeah. That it were like happening in Brixton, Brixton mm. was like all burned down. It um, happened, I like, think North
1: London, Camden. Camden, Camden. Yeah, Tottenham. Yeah,
0: everywhere. So it was the first time that I was coming to London. I had a couple of friends here, so in my end, like, I was seeing the the news. The whole city getting burned. My family was like, Laura, you are not going. I'm like, well, I'm flying with Ryanair, so (laughs) I'm going to return my ticket. And when I came here, it was like a total surprise. Um, So it it has been a very tough time for me. Um, When I came here, uh, I just graduated from law, so I had to abandon my law career. And I started working in retail. So I was very proud when I left uh, Spain. You know, I was like a lawyer. I speak three languages. So I was like, oh, yeah, London should be the place for me. Ron. It took me a long time to be able to pick up my career. And it was far from low. So it has been hard, um, especially because London is not, welcoming that it doesn't welcome you that much for someone who does have an accent you know I think like um I don't know if your parents they live here so
1: I wasn't born in this country okay um I came when I was quite young but my yeah so my parents moved to the UK um my mum. As much as she pretends that she doesn't, she has a blatant Nigerian <laughs> African accent, Yoruba <laughs> accent, um, and when I was younger, I had a slight twang as well. <laughs> um, so I I get what you're saying, but one of the things that I do appreciate about London is um, it is it is it is like a city of immigrants. Like there's a lot of people that either just got here or their first generation so their parents just got here so I think growing up it was very like multicultural and like meeting with like different people from different places I I really like it but I under but the thing I would say about London is it's like a big clique mm. you have to try and get in to your group and that could be based upon like you said like you know um, being like from the same country or ethnicity or just being you know growing up together so there's people that I went to school with went to college with that I have that connection with until this day mm-hmm. and we're in this like big kind of like clique and I always say especially with like black people in London we we pretty much all know each other there's like six degrees of separation quite easily so yeah
0: yeah, yeah absolutely I chose coming to London just because of the diversity Mm. Um, it was very hard for me growing up in in Spain being the only black person. Uh, Because in Spain, you are not considered Spanish. You are considered, you know, in your group, it takes time. But outsiders, they always consider you from somewhere else. So Mm. even though I was... Born there from a Spanish mother and a Haitian, that I was always feeling like outside um, the place, like, you know, it wasn't my place. So, growing up, it was harder because I could see racism, no, all the like microaggressions towards myself or like my, my family my mm. that you get a slide because you are used to and it's so embedded in the culture that you are yeah. like okay you're you kind of fight all the time and sometimes you've, you you don't realize that that is happening around you anymore because you don't have the awareness but um when you start seeing like racism happening all the time and you are scared because they are like skinheads uh, running and like kicking out people in, in their faces around that time was happening a lot in Spain. Um, I was like, no, I cannot be here. I cannot be here. Um, I have my family in the States, so I spend a lot of time with them and I felt how it is to feel in a place where you are not the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt welcome. So that's why I was like, okay, I need to get out of South of Spain and, um, At that time, I was living in Barcelona, and I decided to come here to London, and I came. I remember I asked, I said, like, where black people (laughs) live? I "I don't want to go and end up in a neighborhood that there is no black people. I wanted to live in a neighborhood where there was black people, and they told me, like, okay, you can go to Tottenham. You can go to South London, Peckham, Brixton. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So I tried to like find a place and I found a place in Brixton and I came, I came here. Um, so it, it was a journey like trying to navigate. London is not easy. Imagine, I had no. never been here. I was coming from a city that it was 200,000 people. That's not even a, a borough. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I came here, I had to like navigate everything, the diversity um which is great but also it can be like so where are you from oh okay i wasn't expecting that because i i never i wasn't used to it. but it was the first time that i didn't have to answer all the time where i'm from well actually i do because my accent but if i was quiet yeah. i didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think and I think
1: we can almost kinda of like move into talking about the race report that the government issued. Um, I think in terms of identity, um it I one of the things that I noted that you said was about not being accepted as um Spanish. Whereas I think in the UK, and it was a discussion I was having with a lot of my friends, because we recently filled out the census, is we wouldn't necessarily call... No, not even necessarily. I don't know any of my Black or Asian friends that would call themselves English. And even calling ourselves British... Mm, it's a bit of a stretch. So I tend to go by I'm Black, then it's I'm Nigerian, um, I'm African, um, I live in the UK um there's not that I don't know connection there and it's not something that but one thing I I, I'm I'm talking all over the place one thing that I I do like saying is that I'm black British because I do feel part of a very specific group within the UK of other black people that we have grown up together and we've created this um subculture that is very specific to this country so you know, when you, a black Brit, you know, can be Haitian, like yourself, can be Somali, can be, um, you know, from the Caribbean, can be mm-hmm. from anywhere, but we have this kind of like shared experience and culture that is very specific to this um, unique group of people.
0: Yeah, and I think like that is the important part, is like there is some, is a, co- a community, yes that's the word community there is a group (laughs) but um in south of spain it was me (laughs) right okay (laughs) and then my little my little sisters but um i think like that was the bigger difference it's like i i didn't have any other person to rely on Mm. except my dad so that that was like the biggest difference but I'm happy that I have lived the London experience. Um, so it, it, I think I made a good choice coming here. Let's put it that way.
1: Good. I love it. Okay. So shall we have a chat about this race report? So according to the government, institutional racism doesn't exist within the UK. Okay. End of discussion. Let's move
0: on. Everyone's fine, right? Yeah. Let's move on. (laughs) It's just so appealing because um, before we were coming today to talk about this, Mm. um, we both took a look into the report. And that report is 258 pages.
1: Yeah. So
0: how, with a lot of recommendations, Mm -hmm. every category, how you can conclude that there is no systematic or institutional racism when you have 258 pages talking about race and the disparities and what is happening and like recommendations. It, It just doesn't make sense itself. So,
1: just to give context to anyone that maybe has missed it, um, within the last few weeks, um, the UK government um, commissioned a report, um, which was headed by um, Tony Sewell. So, so well, I um, I apologise if I pronounced that wrong. Um, and this. Um, report was commissioned following um the protests of last year last year summer following the death of um george floyd um and also the subsequent um protests that happened around the world um as well as um in reaction to the disproportionate amount of um black people asian people that were dying from covid as well so Hence why the report was commissioned to investigate institutionalised racism and the big headline from the report, because the report, as you said, is very long. But one of the big headlines that have been causing a lot of discussion is the report claims that um, the UK does not have institutionalised racism. They acknowledge racism does exist, but not, um, it's not systematic and at an institutional um, level.
0: Yeah, I think it has been very hard to digest Mm. um, because we have been fighting um, raising awareness in corporate Britain, you know, about diversity and inclusion. Companies are finally listening and trying to put, like, measures. uh, And now this report says that the findings are anecdotal anecdote anecdotal it? anecdotal <laughs> yeah <laughs> anecdotal so it, it it was very hard like for me it was very hard they to see like wait what so and that is the whole thing that what i don't like about britain it is i don't like is not no about britain i don't like about britain or europe is the relationship that they have with race because I believe it is very toxic. Um, the denial yes. that Britain or Europe had an active um, impact in the disparities that they ha- that are happening around the world. How come? So if slavery was abolished in nineteen something. No, in 18-something, 1865 or 66. I don't know when was it. But then they changed um, slavery. So they cha- they changed, like, trading people from trading goods. Um, and they went to Africa. And that is mm-hmm. like when col- colonialism started there. So how, at one point, and. How long is it the independence of Nigeria? Sixty years. Sixty years, exactly. So your mom must be sixty.
1: Just Somewhere. about? Yeah.
0: I don't want. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> but uh, you know, so your mom has probably lived uh, colonialism
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and the impact of colonialism after, like it was abolished remain in their continent how come and that is it was created and rooted in institutional racism the whole point was you know it was because white people felt superior to be able to go and take countries and people and and put them into like forced labor slavery and all that and then all of a sudden we go back to 2021 from all this has happened and then You are telling me, you dare to tell me that Britain has put like so many measures to avoid racial disparities when the whole system was created and benefit from this. The whole system in Europe has been created and benefit from it. And now you are telling me that doesn't exist. How?
1: But I think think that's what what you mentioned is the denial is Mm -hmm. probably the most... No, it it's part of the, it's, how can you, if you claim that the problem doesn't exist, then you don't have to address it. Exactly. And I think that's what sometimes is the frustration with, um you know, black and brown people is that because there's this denial, you, you I can't even, we can't even start to address the issue if you are telling me that the issue doesn't exist. So... In terms of the purpose of the report, it was like, well, w- what was the purpose? Was the purpose to just, you know, say that the UK is great or and, you know, it's amazing and let's move on. Or were you actually on a mission to support and help people? Because if we look at um, during like um, the pandemic black and brown people were dying at a higher rate Mm -hmm. and there are like economic um, factors that made that apparent but those economic factors are still also linked to race as well so it's it 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 felt it, it for me it felt frustrating I and it's interesting because they seem to then bring out all the black experts I'm thinking oh so you do have black people (laughs) Uh (laughs) to endorse this report and again it just felt like uh, black and Asian people to endorse it and again it just felt like okay what was the purpose like it to the point where it's just like it would have been better if you just didn't bother to if I'm honest there were some recommendations don't get me wrong in terms of things that can be done better But even just that headline of saying institutionalized racism is not present within the UK is damaging in itself.
0: Yeah, because I think um, what they see as institutional racism, it is an agenda from Britain, like, you know, a specific created for black people to remain at the bottom. And Mm. that is not what it is institutional racism for me is that the institutions are neglecting minorities uh, disparities just because they don't want to they they are not able it's not on the radar right it's a totally different thing i'm not saying like britain has you know an agenda or like practices just to like keep black people from like preventing them to to get like better jobs preventing uh, like better health. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you are neglecting, actively neglecting the disparities and you are not providing solutions.
1: You see, I I probably disagree with you there. I I think, yes, there is neglect. I think there's unconscious bias and all of those things, but I also do think there's a willful intent in situations that have um, left... You know, people of certain races at a disadvantage, and they continue to perpetuate those systems as well. Yeah, yeah there are. Like and a I think, process. and I think sometimes by even giving them that out of unconscious bias or its neglect, it again absolves some people that have the power to change things. It absolves them of accountability, and it also almost kind of like shifts the shifts the issue somewhere else and I think sometimes we have to say so for instance like I said with um, black women more likely to die during childbirth and um, for me that is more than just neglect that is something that there's there's a there's a willful issue here because nobody is trying to address what is the cause of that issue
0: but I think what I see is like they're not trying it's not like they're I mean like, I don't want to think that way. I mean,
1: mm, that I would be you.
0: very scary for, to think that a country, it is premeditating and allowing to black, for what, black women to die to, uh, at a higher rate because they don't want black women. That's very, uh, especially because the people that take care of you the whole system, there may be black people included there. Like I remember my sister was in the hospital and she was like requesting, she was like in a very bad shape. And then a lot of like of the nurses around her, they were black people and they were neglecting when she was saying that she was in pain and the doctors, they were not acting, you know, as they should. Now, if my sister was in another hospital, And she was named Emma, and she didn't have an accent. And she came, you know, in a way of like, they thought like she was like, from a higher class, she wouldn't be treated that way.
1: But I think that's the thing in terms of institutionalized racism. It's not on an individual um, basis. So it's the system, it's the institution that is, um, you know, acting this violence against a set of people. So that's why when people say, well, in the hospital, you have like black nurses, you have nurses from Asian communities. Yes. And, you know, medical professionals. However, the way that the system is set up. So something as simple as, you know, um, you know, um, in terms of like medical profession, they'll in the medical journals, they'll say, okay, do you have this type of rash? That is going to present differently exactly. on black skin, mm-hmm. so that's where that's where you know. So symptoms are going to be missed. Even this presumption that um, I don't know black women can somehow withstand more pain and they're not believed that they are in pain. This is not something that is imagined. Is these are things that people exactly. have talked about, and yeah. it's and it's part of this bigger bigger picture thing rather than individuals it's all about okay how do we address this as a whole system as part of your medical training you mm-hmm. should be shown how to look at you know if someone says to a black person oh you know are they turning blue well no they won't you know
0: and you know that, are, they, that is why are they
1: red in the face no yeah. they're not
0: and that way i believe it is a neglect it's neglection of the disparities yeah. um More than the agenda of like, I'm going to treat you, I'm not going to treat you this way because you are black, which there is people like that. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of people like that in Britain. But I think like in institutional racism, we can have like people from different backgrounds and then they play a crucial role, you know, in this, in this system. Mm. So it doesn't have to be, obviously, it is created by the vast majority of, like, uh, white people. But there is a lot of people that they can be decision makers, that they can be also part of the same, the same community. Um, so that's why I, I think it is very dangerous, because until it is not properly addressed, as you are mentioning, like, for example, in the medical um, arena, providing with the right training, to uh, support, like, uh, patients from, like, other minorities, then it's going to continue happening. And also, at the same time, until, like, Black uh, Britain doesn't have a greater economic power, then it's going to continue happening. Definitely.
1: But one thing i will say is not neglect is willfully ignoring that there is a problem yeah <laughs> neglect <laughs> <laughs> that you cannot call neglect if you, you know. if you're saying there's no issue then yeah. that's that's what i'm saying that's why i say it's a willful okay yeah let's move on to my favorite part of the podcast highlight of the week
0: great
1: okay so lara thank you for being on the pod um each week i share with the listeners and my guests um something they want to bring a spotlight to a shine to so we end on a positive note and everything so my should i go first or do you want to go first you go first Okay, I'll go first. So my highlight of the week is something that I think I've spoken about several times on a podcast before is Rock's film. Um, it's a film, it's about girlhood growing up in London, it's multicultural, it's it's a you know, it's an adventure, it's it's a coming of age story. I love it. Um, but basically the start of the film, um, um, Buki um, Bakare I think she won um, EE's um, Rising Star um, Award at the UK BAFTAs so just wanted to give her a shout out and just for the 1000th time if you have not watched that film you need to go and watch it it's available now on Netflix call someone that's got a password get it from your ex-boyfriend watch the film please <laughs> okay that's good that it is on Netflix I would definitely watch it you have to you have to watch it. You have to watch it, especially like I said. It just gives it just it reminds me of like my childhood, like growing up with like my girlfriends and just yeah that. So yeah, definitely watch it. And also I liked it because um, there's been a lot of discussion recently about uh, black trauma mm-hmm. being part of entertainment and um. It's nice to just sometimes just see, like, stories where we're just, like, living our life. Yes, it
0: is. You know?
1: You know? <laughs> I'm waiting for that story where, you know, the whole film is about, you know, black people in the supermarket. I I want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some, some, they go to Waitrose, they come back, end the story. Love it. <laughs> someone, someone write this down. <laughs> so
0: so lara what's your highlight of the week my highlight of the week is um i'm very into fintech financial technology i work in that industry but um something really good happened and it is that coinbase uh platform for like trading cryptocurrency has gone um public which yes nas Nas, winner. who's ever so handsome, he is mm. yeah. <laughs> he's now 200 million
1: richer. It's funny, <laughs> it just makes him more handsome. <laughs> he is more, he's a high value man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hi, Derek Jackson, really? Kevin Samuels, yeah. that's that's a high value man right there. Yeah, so Nas. Very- Nas, you know what, just looks the same. You know, let me digress, but
0: yes, let's talk about Coinbase. <laughs> No, <laughs> so um, that has been very exciting. I think um, we are moving into an era where cryptocurrency is uh, really considered mainstream, and this was like a dream uh, for it to happen. Um, a lot of things are happening, so I will suggest you everybody to start like looking into cryptocurrency, start like buying stock. You know, um, you can buy stock from uh, Coinbase in different apps. But just, like, make sure in the reminding of, like, the next couple of months that you are getting into financial uh, technology, uh, invest in, and also just get get your coins ready, you know? So okay. we, have to, we need to have, like, a hot girl summer. But yeah, financially, has to be attractive, too. So <laughs> let's do it. Um, I'm all about uh, financial inclusion, and I think the Black community... We do have a lot of opportunities to empower ourselves and get with the agenda so just make sure that um you are getting ready i think what we'll need to do Laura is actually have you
1: back and give us a bit of a breakdown of especially like the cryptocurrencies because um i have this whole you know one woman agenda of um black women in luxury and you know (laughs) and i want us to you know to get our coins to get our money so i think it would be really good for you to come back on the pod and actually just like break that down um and just give us some like basics and just um make it a little bit like you said financial inclusion making it a bit more accessible to everybody because i feel like everybody needs to be able to Understand what's going on so you can have a seat at the table and you know, let, let's let's everyone, let everyone get rich,
0: let's all let's, get rich together, let's let's go where the money resides. Yeah, where the money <laughs> resides.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, where can the good people that listen to color out the box, obviously in their billions, find you?
0: um okay so um i have my instagram um yes that legros that sometimes usually it is open but if it is not you can send me a a request and also find me on linkedin let's connect professionally as well um so yeah i'm very happy to start connecting with more people okay (laughs) and (laughs)
1: i will add your details into the podcast description so as always you can find color out the box on instagram twitter and facebook do let us know what you think about the episode if you have any questions or anything to add to the discussion (laughs) okay so until next time bye thank you